Hi, I'm Sophia. And I'm Prerec. And this is Red, White, and Brown, a podcast where we talk about the joys and struggles of being Desi immigrants. Today, we are going to be answering some Q&As that we received from our Instagram. And so if you aren't already following us, follow us at Red, White, Brown Pod so you can contribute on the next episode. Uh, so thank you to everyone who asked these questions. Uh, we won't be able to answer everything we got, but we're going to try to answer um, the biggest and most prominent ones. Um, so let's open up with the first question we had, Sophia, and I think you will like this one because it hits close to home for both of us. How do we get over workplace anxiety? And at least in the case of us being medical students, I think we can extend this to anxiety in academic settings, which which is kind of where we uh, where we lie. Yeah. So. I obviously want to like give the disclaimer and just acknowledge that like the fact that anxiety disorders and panic disorders and stuff exist and if you think you have serious anxiety and it's like impacting your ability to function then it's definitely worth talking to a doctor and like seeing if you need help from you know someone who's professionally equipped to treat anxiety so this episode should not be seen as a replacement for medical advice um because you might actually need medical intervention and that's nothing to be ashamed of and definitely um getting help is is one of the biggest things you can do definitely so that aside now that i've given you know that disclaimer i think it is pretty common to experience like some anxiety around work or school and i think the triggers or specific things that people find stressful or anxiety provoking can vary so like for some people it's public speaking or giving a presentation um for other people it's like having meetings with people who are in a more senior position Mm -hmm. than them or like working with a boss who's intimidating so like i think the specific things that can cause anxiety vary but um i think that identifying the specific things that are the primary cause of your anxiety and then doing what you can to address those so like how have you done that yeah i mean i know it sounds obvious so um an example from my own life would kind of be like, I know that one of my triggers for anxiety is like giving presentations. Um, and like for those of you who are not in medicine, um, <laughs> that is something that happens every morning with the senior doctors. So like the medical students and the resident trainees present their patients and what they think the plan should be and all that to like the senior doctors. And the goal is like to get feedback on what you think uh, needs to be done. For me, like giving those presentations is the main trigger of my anxiety. And since I've identified that as like the cause of my workplace anxiety, the way that I have intervened is to prepare for like the presentations by setting up my notes and preliminary thoughts and stuff the night before so that the morning that I have to give the presentation, everything that could have been done in advance was already done. And I'm like as minimally stressed as possible. Um, and that might sound obvious, like, oh, prepare in advance, duh. But I think what I'm trying to say is that getting over anxiety isn't always something that, oh, you just need to change your mindset or like do yoga. You know, sometimes it's just doing things to set yourself up for success in the best way that you can. And that might mean that you have to put in like 30 more minutes than everyone else puts in because that might just be what's required for you to like do a good job. Um, But I think that consistently doing that actually helps you get over the anxiety because like once you do a good job at whatever the thing is, you start to internalize that, oh, like maybe I'm not so bad at this after all. And like, I think that actually helps reduce the anxiety a little bit. And I think that applies 
to confidence in general where like I don't think you can get confidence just from giving yourself you know a pep talk in the mirror I think you actually have to do a good job at hard things and then you realize that oh like I can do these things well and then you build up the faith in yourself and your own abilities yeah I mean I think I also have a lot of anxiety and at least the thing that's helped me is like as I said at the beginning of this episode getting help and so I actually do have a therapist and I think that has helped me a lot and I think the first step is just making sure you need help. And so um, making sure you get that is usually the best. And the other thing that my therapist has taught me is working out to the worst case scenario. And I know that may sound insane, but like, hear me out. So, so much of my anxiety is caused by like the difference between what you expect in the future and like what is actually happening. So mm. for example, like wanting to do well on an exam and feeling unprepared is like a source of anxiety. And so in this case, by playing out the worst case scenario and saying like, okay, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? You can like fail the exam. And if you're like truly okay with that and you really can accept like, okay, I'll fail, but like that's that's it. Like I'm not gonna explode after that happens. Oh it actually gosh. can help a lot. Um, so by like running through these hypotheticals and being okay with them, it actually helps you a lot. You'll realize like you're gonna be okay, life's gonna be okay. And just because you can't live up to your expectations doesn't mean that you're like gonna explode. Yeah, we're definitely a lot more resilient than we think. And usually when like these bad things happen, it, it still works out, you know? Yeah. And then another thing that really helps me is like, you often have to connect your mind and the body. Like when you're born, and this is going to sound like super philosophical, but it's really not. But the only two things you really have to rely on from the moment you're born to the moment you die are like your brain and your body. And those are the only two things you can absolutely guarantee will be with you every second of every day. And almost everything else is like either temporary or won't always be with you. So if you can get really good at taking care of your mind when, you're, when your mind is hurting with your body and then taking care of your body when your body is hurting with your mind. So for example, if your mind is really stressed out, then use your body to help your mind feel better, whether that's in the form of exercise. Mm -hmm. Or if your body is like hurting, then you have to use your mind and take care of your body and like make the right decision to get help or make the right decision to rest or call your friends and all of those things. So like but all of those, all of that has really helped. And if you really want like a really solid book to read, I recommend The Power of Now, which I recently read and honestly was like one of the best decisions uh, that I can do uh, to help my own mindfulness. Oh, wow. I will add that to the list. That sounds really good. Um, yes. I, okay. So let's move into our second question, um, which a listener submitted and it is, like, what are some things that we wish we did um, while we were in university that I guess we did not do? That's a good one. Um, let's see. Before I give my answer, I'm interested in what you have to say, Sophia. What are you thinking that you wanted to do in university? <laughs> well, I only really have one thing that comes to mind, and it's that I wish I had joined um, a dance team. And the reason I say that is because, like, two of my best friends and roommates were actually on the South Asian dance team. And, like, I never thought about joining or auditioning at all. Um, I'm, like, not someone who really enjoys dancing or even really knows how to dance. But I feel like it would have been a good way to push myself out of my comfort zone and, like, do something that probably would have been fun in retrospect. And, like, if not that, I wish I had learned to, like, play the piano or sing or something. Because, like, I didn't really grow up being super immersed in the arts or learning anything like dance or singing or, like, anything like that. But I wish that 
I had and like I think college would have been a good time to learn um I don't really mean like taking classes in music or anything but just working with the piano tutor like a singing coach but you know what Parak like after residency I am gonna learn I think I'm gonna learn the piano and I feel like there's this idea that like once you get past a certain age it's like quote-unquote too late or something but it's never too late so I definitely still want to learn and I feel like it's gonna obviously be really hard during residency but as soon as that is over mark my words I'm gonna learn to play the piano (laughs) and it is gonna be really fun all the more power to you um (laughs) Let's see. I think I have the same thought, but it's in a different way. So I think stepping out of your comfort zone is definitely one thing I wish I had done more of. And so just the fact that we both share that commonality is something that I think everyone should try to do if you're in university right now. Do something that you feel a little uncomfortable doing. Um, And I have gotten really decent at this in medical school and accepting who I am and also like not taking things personally and finding the way to live Uh, your best life. And it sounds very cliche, but like if I had come to this realization a bit earlier um, and, you know, been okay with who I was, I think it just is so much easier to block out everything else and like do the things you want to do than do things that other people want you to do. So, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is this scene. So I'm going to play it. And Sophia, I want you to tell me the first word that comes to your mind after listening to this scene, because it is my favorite scene ever. And I don't know if you guys know this, but every time a brown father says, lo kya kenge, a star actually falls from the sky. Do you know? <laughs> Mom, dad, I don't want to be a doctor. I didn't lo kya kenge. No. Oh, this is Hassan Minaj, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a stand-up special. Yeah, yep. yeah. Also, I don't know why I just pronounced his name like Hassan Minaj. Like, it's definitely... Hassan. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> Hassan. Um, it just... Oh, my God. He's so popular that that's how everyone says his name because it's not just desi people saying his name so um i okay point is well taken though i think college is a great time to like adapt um you know the ability to like believe in yourself and to uh push yourself out of your comfort zone and not worry about look yakahenge so um totally love that let's move on to the next question which is really interesting someone asked like did you ever want to live in india slash pakistan and what are like the pros and cons of being first gen so do you want to have a take at that one yeah so i know we have different backgrounds but so i had never visited india or pakistan or anything like that growing up it just wasn't something my family really did like i know a lot of families would go to the subcontinent during summer vacations and stuff but most of our family was actually already in the states or in canada Mm -hmm. and so like there wasn't as much of a reason to go back and it just never happened but because of that i did not really have like an anchor point you know like anything Mm -hmm. to compare my Mm -hmm. life in the u.s to so i never knew what it would even be like to grow up back in the subcontinent so no i didn't like wish i lived there (laughs) but i think that you know the way that the subcontinent is portrayed in bollywood is really romanticized and it always looked really fun and nice on screen so like i knew i'd want to visit one day have you visited since pakistan or india oh pakistan no because um like that just never happened but i have visited india for sure so got it so i mean if i were to answer this question do i wish i lived in india i mean i did when i was growing up but um if you were to ask me like after if i moved back i kind of wish i did live there but not like in a regretful way but more of like i want to be connected with the country that 
majority of my genes come from. You know, like when mm. I look at who I am as a person and I think of where that came from, it came from my parents. And then I think about, okay, well, where did my parents come from? And they came from their parents, obviously. But a lot of what my parents are, are essentially a like resemblance of their environment in India. And so it almost fe- makes me feel a little out of the loop because I look at my parents and I'm like, they're my heroes. But at the same time, it makes me feel like disconnected to not be at the place where they became who they were, you know? And so because of that, I transitively have this like inbound respect for their roots and heritage because that's where I came from. And so because of that, I do really have thoughts at times saying like, I wonder what it would have been like to have lived in India. Um, Wait, let me play this song for you. Okay. <laughs> oh, dude, I like love this song. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's September now, but it wasn't too far away from August 15th. And I remember like Indians are just so patriotic about this song <laughs> because it's just like... It's it's these types of songs that make me wish uh, to have been in India because I feel like regardless of where you're from, I think there's this inbuilt pride for being from that. Um, so, Sophia, I want to focus on like the second part of this question, which I don't think we hit on. But what are the pros and cons of being a first-generation Desi American? Oh, gosh. Well, I feel like in terms of the pros, a big one is, you know, the freedom and opportunities that women and girls get here compared to back in the subcontinent. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into it too much because we all have access to (laughs) Google and we can all research this on our own. But there are just so many horrible things that have happened to women and girls just in the last couple months in India and Pakistan, like harassment type things I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um, And like, yes, gender based harassment happens here in the U.S. too. But some of the things that we've seen in the headlines in the subcontinent, just like summer of 2021, are things that seem like blatantly worse to me than the things that happen in the US. And it just seems like there are fewer consequences in the subcontinent. Yeah. And are there any like cons that come to mind um, in terms of being first gen in the United States? I think like just being a little disconnected from your culture, not having um, as much maybe pride in it. Like if you're like the token brown person, you're the only brown person at your school, like maybe yeah. you feel a little ashamed or like you kind of know that like, oh, I'm different from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like when you're younger, that can be kind of tough and you might feel like you don't fit in or you don't belong. And you'll probably get bullied too, potentially, right? Yeah, potentially. How um, about you? So for me, the pro is just the freedom to pursue what you want. I think like that is something we take for granted, but I think the beauty of being first generation in um, America, which I genuinely appreciate is like, there's no scarcity of second chances. Like you could like fail and then you can get back up again and they'll let you fail again. And if you don't get into med school the first time, you can apply second, third, fourth. You can then do a post back and then apply after. So I think this is what like the American dream notion comes in. But the only problem I have with the American dream is I think people real like extrapolate it to being much bigger than it actually is. I think it takes a lot to achieve it, but I will say it gives you access to mobility that is clearly not present in India, for example. Like my dad has literally told me like, if you fail like this one test on one day of 11th grade, like X careers are automatically just knocked out right out the bat. Wow. Um, That's so interesting. 
Um, I didn't even think about that. But what about the cons, if you think there are any? Oh, there's definitely a lot of cons. It's it's kind of what you just mentioned. Like it's kind of like we're sitting at a Venn diagram. We're we're in between they see and America, and we're right there in the middle. But we don't feel like we belong to either circle, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't feel like we belong to being American. Like I personally don't. I wasn't a citizen until four years ago. But I also don't feel like I'm Indian because I go back to the subcontinent, and all my cousins are like, "Dude, you can't even speak Gujarati," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah," <laughs> you know. So like the cool part is. This group, though, is slowly becoming bigger. This group of people mm-hmm. who are sitting right at that intersection. And so hopefully we'll have a nice little group, primarily through podcasts like this one, that help create space for us to bond over like our shared experience. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad we got a chance to talk about this. I think we have another fun question because both of us are really involved in social media. So a lot of people always ask us, how did we get into social media and podcasting despite being you know, full-time medical students. So Sophia, what do you, what do you, how, what's your story about? Yeah. So I know, I think I've mentioned this before in season one, but basically growing up, I loved fashion and like my grandma taught me how to sew. And I used to just like love everything about fabric and clothing. But despite that, like I never considered it a quote unquote real job. Like my parents did not think that being a fashion designer was like a real thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think partly just because there was no visibility on how to enter that field 20 years ago. So mm-hmm. even if I had wanted to do that, like it felt like you had to have connections or like it just wasn't something that normal people felt like was attainable, <laughs> yeah. you know, to go work at Vogue or start a fashion label. Um And I think now there's more understanding like, oh, you can go to Parsons for fashion school, yada, yada. But um, when I was in university, I think blogging and Instagramming seemed to be like becoming more popular. And I saw girls that I was following on Instagram working with fashion brands. And for me, it just clicked like that is my way to work in the fashion industry while having a career that is not related to fashion. And so that's kind of how I got into blogging and Insta and stuff. And then obviously through med school, we met and you are also in the Mm -hmm. social space. And so uh, that's how this podcast came to be. But why don't you share a little bit about your journey? Yeah. So my journey on social media is like a little different. So mine was more, I read this book called When Breath Becomes Air before I started medical school. And I realized like medicine is a really long journey and a lot of doctors change in a lot of different ways. And they usually document it in some way, shape or form. Um, and in my, in my personal experience, I had seen most doctors like keep journals and I was like, I don't want to keep a journal. I think I want to like do videos because writing is really hard for me. And so that's kind of where I started vlogging a lot of my experiences. And, uh, that's where my YouTube channel began. And now it's like almost three, four years and we're at 30,000 and 3 million views. So it's been like pretty crazy, but it's really fun. Uh, and that's kind of what got me into social media and entrepreneurship. And from there, um, you know, we've just been expanding different ways and solving different problems with this podcast, for example. And it's it's awesome. Um, I think those that about sums up my answer. Did you have any other questions we wanted to address, Sophia? No, I feel like this episode is getting to be a good length, so we can cut it off there. I mean, we I tried to select questions that would let us share a little bit more about ourselves and our background, because obviously we want, you know, you guys, our listeners, to get to know us. But we also wanted to try to answer questions where we feel like we could bring some value to you guys and share our insights. So hopefully that was helpful. Um, if you liked the show and you, if you want us to, you know, continue producing this show, please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe. 
five stars only. Don't be stingy. Um, but most importantly, share with friends. And if you want to check us out on Insta, our handle is at red, white, brown pod. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.